You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Hey, good morning, Journey Church. You know, I, I just love that, that Journey Kids session, the dance session, and, I, and I'm hearing that, that many of you, or your kids are jumping up and they're doing some dances and they're just enjoying that time. Um, we would love it if you would post some of those videos, if, if, you, would, if you would capture your, your kids getting involved in the Journey Kids worship and just putting those online on the Journey CC page or, and just allowing us to see that and just enjoy that. It, it's a lot of fun, and I really miss us being together and, and seeing the kids do that. And, and uh, it was just a great time when we were here in the church. And, you know, God willing, we'll be able to do that again one day. But if you really want to do that, if you want to, you know, post a video of your kids um, doing those dances and doing those routines and just put them on the journey page, we would love to see them. Hey, I just hope you had a great Christmas. I, I know that uh, 2020 has been a difficult year. And I hope if you felt safe that you got together with family and with friends and that you had a good time uh, remembering um, the birth of Jesus. And I'm really hoping that you had an opportunity to, to connect at one of our, uh, our Christmas Eve events, whether it was the two live events or, or the event that we had broadcast online. Um, it's a new world right now that we live in, and I know we're all getting used to this, um, to this broadcast version. Um, I, I can tell you I, I'm not a super big fan of it. I love connecting with people, but this is what we have for right now. And so I'm just praying that God continues to move through the way that we are, we are worshiping right now. Hey, and listen, um, since we're wrapping up the end of 2020, and I'm sure many of us are like, you know, God, thank you that 2020 is over and you got us through it. And uh, we don't know what 2021 has in store, but I just pray that um, you can look at the text that we have uh, today in this new series that we're kicking off on Chosen. Um, we're going to go through the book of Mark, and we're going to go through the book of Mark all the way through uh, Easter. So it's going to be a great time. Um, it's going to be a, a, a long look at uh, the book of Mark and um, what it is to be chosen. Um, as I was preparing for this, I was like, I can't really remember being chosen a lot in my life to, you know, have like a, a, a story to tell you about it. But I can sure remember a lot of times when I wasn't chosen. And I can remember when I was a child um, in elementary school. I don't know, most of you maybe feel like this or some of you feel like the way I did, but Recess was my favorite time. I loved being out and hanging with my friends and uh, just being silly and just burning off some energy and just uh, having time out at recess. But then every once in a while, you know, there would be these times where they would get, uh, kids would get together and a couple of people would, would pair off and they would choose uh, teammates, whether it's for kickball or something of that nature. Um, and I had the most anxiety about that. I, I can remember in my mind how these things went. Generally, I, I, I was a clumsy kid, you know, all limbs, um, just, you know, tripping over myself, uh, didn't have a lot of coordination. But I can remember 
um, not being chosen. So it, it kind of would go like this. It would be like I'd be standing there with, you know, in a sweat, you know, waiting to be not chosen, right? Because that was the way it was going to go. And, and it would be this, this anxiety that would come over me. And I would just feel like, here's the way it would kind of go. It would be like, we'd get down to like the last three or four people and the two captains would say, almost as a way of negotiating, hey, you take those two and, and we'll take those two as, as, as if the four weakest links were being spread out to make it fair. And I can remember just, just how terrible it felt to be one of those, those people, those last people chosen that got, got put on a team as a consolation, knowing that they, in their person's mind that, you weren't, that we weren't going to contribute. And for just once, just once I wanted to be chosen first, or, or, or even better yet, just once I wanted somebody to want to choose me. And I feel like that's where we're going to go here with this, this first uh, chapter in Mark. Um, I'm going to read through a, a pretty good passage of Mark 1 because it does lay some background for the message that I'm going to be talking about today. <clears throat> and I want you to kind of see how um, Mark depicts the beginning of Jesus' ministry just a little bit different than Luke and John and Matthew did. So it starts out in Mark 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more, pow <clears throat> excuse me, more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was, baptizing, was baptized by John in the Jordan. <clears throat> Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And here's where we're going to land for the text today. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for there were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is a, a powerful 
passage about being chosen. And I don't know that I ever really got that at first until I started really looking through the text. But it was really fascinating to me to see how this played out and how Jesus went about choosing his first disciples. There's four points I, wanna, I want you to get out of this text for today's message. The first one is, we are chosen on purpose. So here's the thing. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. <clears throat> I can remember early on as a Christian thinking, why did he choose so many fishermen? Was there something special about fishermen that they, that they knew the gospel better than anybody, that they could relate it better than anybody? They spent all their time on a boat. Now, I, know, I know some fishermen, and I know some of you are like the hair on the back of your neck standing up right now because I'm like maybe talking a little negative about fishermen, but I'm not. But if I were to look at fishermen, I don't know that, if I were Jesus, I don't know that I would have come down and said, yeah, fishermen, that, that's who I want to lead my ministry. I probably would have been like, incorrectly, been like, hey, I'm going to get the Pharisees because they're already the teachers of the law. They know what, uh, what it's about. They know what to teach. They know how to teach. But that's not what he did. He chose his first four disciples, the book of Mark recounts it, as the first four disciples that he chose were Simon, Andrew, James, and John, all fishermen. Jesus was there in the beginning. If we go back and look at John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. We have to realize that Jesus knows the plan. He helped develop the plan. And he knows it far better than we ever could. He didn't just come down and say, I'm going to choose the first four people I see. No. He, on purpose, chose these four. And one of these four is Simon, who later Jesus starts to call Peter, and who becomes the rock of his church. So there was no accident that he came across these four, and that they are depicted in this passage. He had a well-thought-out plan that started long before we ever existed. <clears throat> John the Baptist was the first one that Mark shows, besides Jesus being chosen, to come down and, and, and preach the gospel. John the Baptist was the first one chosen in Mark. He was the first one that was mentioned. Luke, if you go through and read the book of Luke, it gives a really nice backstory about who John is. Um, it actually goes into his pre-birth and, and the fact that he was actually anointed to be a messenger for Jesus long before he was even born. So he was chosen early on. <clears throat> Fishermen as teachers, discipling for Jesus, that's, that's, that, that was interesting to me, as I said. But Mark shows us that the first four disciples were important. They were fishermen. This was intentional. The different gospels depict it just a little bit differently. But if we look at the 12 disciples, seven of these were fishermen. Now, I was puzzled by that, and I was actually blown away by it. I don't, didn't realize there were that many. <clears throat> but I have a theory on this. Why fishermen? Well, first of all, they're courageous. They're out in the rough waters, they're out in the stormy seas, and they're doing their job every day. 
they take on the courage of being out there in the, in the rough waters all the time. They work hard, and they work together well. There's no way you can have a fish full of hundreds, a net full of hundreds of fish and pull it in by yourself. You need other people with you working together in tandem to pull those, those heavy nets in. They're dedicated. They didn't take a day off. They were providing for their families. They were out there every single day, probably most weeks, seven days a week, pulling in fish to provide for their families and earn a living. They possessed a skill that they could teach to others. There was a skill to fishing. We see this in other aspects when, when Peter questions Jesus, who says, throw the net back in on the other side. He's like, okay, Jesus, like I don't know how to fish, right? They know what they're doing. They understand fishing. There's nothing you can't teach them about fishing. But here's the thing. <clears throat> they take instruction. Early on in their trade, somebody had to give them instruction. And they continue to give them instruction. And if you're working on a boat with a captain and a bunch of other fishermen, you have to be able to take instruction on a whim, quickly, and do it without question. Because it could be very dangerous for the person that you don't help. So there were five things that they were really good at. That's what I believe. So let me ask you this. I'm going to ask you each one of these parts. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question or maybe an internalizing question. And I'm hoping that you'll take that to heart. These men were chosen on purpose. You were chosen on purpose. I was chosen on purpose. But why? Why has he chosen you? Why has he chosen you for this time? Why has he chosen you during this, this trying time of the pandemic? Why has he chosen you to listen to this broadcast? What is it he wants you to know about being chosen? Here's the second point I get out of this passage. The chosen believe. See, Jesus walks up and tells these guys to follow me. And they just drop what they're doing and they do it. Now, I, I get that they probably heard him preaching in one of the villages and towns. And they knew what he was about. He wasn't a stranger to them. But they, there was a cost to them following him. There was a cost to leaving the nets and leaving their families and obediently following him. And they weighed that cost. John the Baptist, it doesn't tell us that John had really met Jesus. We know if we read Luke that <clears throat> they probably grew up together as cousins. But John knew what to do. God told him what to do. An angel told him what he had to do. And he went out and did it. He believed, even though he hadn't seen Jesus' ministry yet. In fact, while Jesus was just starting his ministry, he was already out in the wilderness preaching for repentance and baptizing people. He believed Jesus wholeheartedly. He was living off what God provided, locusts and wild honey and wearing camel's hair. He was just out there living his life, being obedient to God because he believed. Our faith is not why Jesus chose us. It's the result of it. 
I want you to hear that again. Our faith is not why Jesus chose us. Our faith is a result of his choosing us. If you want a perfect example of this, let's look at Paul. Paul did not believe, and then Jesus chose him. In fact, Paul hated Christians. He hated Jesus. He would have liked anything to kill Jesus. And yet, Jesus had an encounter with Paul. And through that encounter, Paul believed. Through that encounter, Jesus exposed himself to him, and then Paul believed. So Jesus had already chosen Paul to be the instrument of his ministry of the Christian church before he ever believed. And then he believed, and his eyes were opened. See, belief isn't something you get because you're chosen. You're chosen and then you believe. What is the result of your belief? Are you living the life to the fullest extent that you do believe? Are you living your life in light of your belief? The <clears throat> next point I get out of this passage is the chosen work. Yeah, they work. And I will send you out to fish for people. That's, that's work. If any of you have tried to, to disciple someone, it's work. It's, it's perseverance. It's, it's persistence. It's patience. Yeah, there's three Ps there, right? Jesus called them into the vision of his ministry. So the, these fishermen were already willing to work. They worked hard which is probably one of the reasons why Jesus chose them. But he called them into the vision of his ministry, and he used the language that they would understand. You guys are great fishermen. I'm going to use that talent and send you out to fish for people. Brilliant. It was brilliant. He appealed to them in a way that they could understand. If he had said, I want you to go out and disciple people, they would have been like, eh, we don't know what that means. That's too scary. But if he broke it down into simple terms and said, I'm going to send you to fish for people. You already know how to fish for fish. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. They caught that vision quickly. And they were ready to do the work. <clears throat> he wanted them to be part of it from the very beginning of his earthly ministry. He knew they worked hard. He knew that they were a leader of others. So this wasn't going to be a problem. And John was leading the way by baptizing. He went even ahead of Jesus and was baptizing people because he believed. He was doing the work. He was preaching repentance. He was baptizing them. And people were turning to Jesus before they had even encountered him. What work is he calling you to next? Or more importantly, what work is he calling you to right now? The fourth point I want to get out of this is that the chosen act. Without delay, it says, without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. James and John were leaders and owners. They were owners in the family business. They weren't the hired men. 
<clears throat> they worked with their father every single day on the boats, giving orders to the hired men. <clears throat> they were destined to take over the family business. I'm sure Zebedee wanted to pass that down to James and John and, say, and be proud of the fact that they were running the family business. I'm sure that was his vision for them. But James and John believed so much in what Jesus was doing that they did what he asked and they dropped their nets and they chose to follow him. See, here's the thing about acting. You can believe all you want, but until you take action, your belief it doesn't mean anything. They showed that they believed by doing what he, said, what he asked. They left everything behind because they believed. John the Baptist chose to act by baptizing. I don't know that I read anywhere that that, that, that was what he was destined to do, but that was the act that he chose. He chose to preach repentance, which was what he was given to do, to make straight the path for him. And he, but he chose to baptize. That was his action. Even in the face of the Pharisees, yelling at him or, or, or calling him crazy, he didn't care. He acted. Action is where we put feet to our faith. You can believe all day long. You can believe everything you read on social media. You can believe everything that you, that you read on, on, in newspapers. You can believe everything you want, but until you put action to what you believe, you really don't believe. Action is where your belief takes root. So what action is Jesus calling you to take next? What action is Jesus calling you to take? In 1996, my wife and I made a decision that forever changed our lives. Um, around, uh, it was in November, early in November, my daughter had her seventh birthday coming up. Um, on Saturday night, she wanted to have a sleepover. Uh, she made a condition of us, though. She said, uh, want to have these girls sleep over, and then Sunday morning, we want to go to church. Well, my wife and I had never set foot in a church, other than the fact that we got married in one um, quite a few years before that. And so uh, we were a little bit nervous about it, but because she requested it, we did it, right? So that was our first exposure to the Christian faith. Shortly after that, after a series of trying out different ministries, just to see where, you know, we fit in, um, I tried children's ministry, three and four-year-olds. I was great at storytelling, but probably didn't have as much patience as my wife did for the three and four-year-olds. Um, I tried a, a bunch of other ministries. I was, I was very good at set up and tear down, so I, I kind of stayed with that. Um, but uh, nothing really kind of made, you know, me feel like I was really in my sweet spot. Um, and then one day, one morning, I decided to go look at our uh, youth ministry. And I kind of walked in and kind of stood in the back of the auditorium and, and watched this service. And I saw the youth pastor look over and he kind of nodded that he saw me there. And so I just stood there and watched the service. And I watched these students playing instruments, leading in a band, leading worship, and uh, doing communion meditations, and I saw the energy 
And I almost started to weep, just feeling that energy that was so special. I realized then that I was chosen to do youth ministry for that time. I didn't, I didn't know what the heck that meant. And in fact, I was scared to death of what I was feeling right then. And to make it worse, at the end of the service, a youth pastor comes up to me and he says, so what'd you think? Do you want to become a part of the ministry? We'd love for you to come and teach. And he didn't really know me that well. But I'm sure he was watching me and saw my reaction and saw that I, that, uh, that I absolutely loved what I was seeing. And I don't know if that scared me more or the fact that, that, that Jesus was touching my heart that scared me. I was not equipped for that. I, I was a new Christian. I really didn't know the Bible. I knew bits of it. I knew pieces of it. I, I certainly didn't know it well enough to teach a high school student. And it scared me. But I said, yeah, I want to do that. And for the next 20 years or so, I was involved in youth ministry at one level or another, just teaching middle school and high school students. There were many years where I was chosen to do some other things, and, and some of it having to do with teaching college students. Um, did that for a while, leading marriage ministry, um, leading set up and tear down crews, and now currently, you know, leading the broadcasting team. But here's the thing. Here's the important thing about being chosen. You're not chosen once, and then you're done. Jesus chooses you over and over and over again because he values you. He loves you. He desires you. And he knows what he put inside you is going to flourish because he chose you. Here's the thing. Jesus is the only plan for believers who desire to know God. Because of what he's done for us and how much he loves us and what he will do through us, he chooses us. By accepting his invitation, we become part of the story of redemption for all his people. So as we get ready to put 2020 behind us, it's a good time to examine how we did in 2020. Did we act where we should have acted? Did we work when he chose us to work? And it's a good time to renew our faith in Jesus. It's a good time to say yes to his choosing of us. I can tell you right now that everybody is hurting in one level or another. We've all been shut in and separated from each other and for such a long time that it, that it hurts. We all desire a connection. And I, and I just got to ask, what do we need to do differently in 2021 to strengthen those connections? What do we need to do differently? What do we learn from this, this absence of one-on-one face-to-face connection in 2020 that will help us in the next year? There is no question that Jesus chooses us. 
The question is whether or not we choose Jesus. He absolutely chooses us to provide for the families, to, to love on people. He chooses us because he loves us. But what do we do? Do we choose Jesus in the same passion that he chooses us? Or are we so self-absorbed that we forget what he's done for us? 2021 is going to be a new year. I can't tell you if it's going to be the same old stuff that we experienced in 2020. But I can tell you that based on what we react to and how we come out of it, it's going to be a completely different year. What is Jesus calling you to commit to in 2021? Father God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to die on the cross for us, for choosing us. Even when we feel like we weren't worthy to be chosen. For having the faith in us that we could accomplish everything in his ministry. Even now, 2,000 years later, his ministry is still going strong in our hearts. And Father God, we just love you for, for all you do in our lives that we just don't even recognize. We love you for providing for our families. We love you for keeping us sane and together. We love for helping us to find little bits of connection here and there to, to keep us involved in the body. Father God, most of all, we love the fact that you chose us. And you chose us for a purpose. And we just pray that we can believe and work and act in such a way that your faith in us shines through. Father God, we love you, and we pray you protect us through 2021. In Jesus' name, amen. So I pray that you guys will uh, have a safe New Year's, and uh, if you can, get together with family. Um, this broadcast um, is, is a special one. We're going to have a communion session next with, from the Bruckers, Bruckners, excuse me, the Bruckners. And afterwards, there's going to be an extended time of kind of our hits of worship. Um, there'll be an extended time of worship uh, from some of our sessions in 2020. So if you want to stay online and watch those, that would be great. It's a great time to sit back and look at some of the stuff that we've done in our worship. And I just pray that you guys have a safe and happy new year. And I pray that uh, you recognize where Jesus has chosen you in 2021. Thanks. Have a great Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.